Please put hey. a thumb in the air. Hey. Welcome to Broad Street Hockey Radio. That's right, BSH Radio. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of Funny Games for the evening. So here we are. Uh, things happened, and now we're just kind of waiting. Uh, good for the Philadelphia Flyers. They definitely improved the team, but I would like it personally if they did something else. I would. I'd be happy about it. I'd be able to talk about it with all of you. It would be a good time. So let's get into it. Let's see what the hell we're going to talk about today. Uh, let's lead it off with the fly by herself, Kelly Hinkle. I know it's only August 5th. I almost said 4th, but it's August 5th. Um, but I'm already like all the way over August. I'm really, really <laughs> bored. And I know that no one reads the links, but like the entire hockey media is at the cottage in August. So there's like literally nothing happening. I get a Chuck article like twice or three times a week if I'm lucky. And that's about it. It's just very boring. Yeah, so here's the thing. There are two members of the hockey media here, and we haven't gotten to take our vacations yet. Listen, I'm not even complaining so... about you because you don't produce content, so you are not on my shit list. That's rude. Why you don't produce <laughs> content? Would you like Why? to be on my shit list? I can put you on there. Why don't I either of you... content sometimes. <laughs> Why don't either of you have a lake house in, like, Saskatchewan? Yeah, what the fuck, Charlie? Yeah, I mean, it would be nice if I got paid enough to afford a lake house in Saskatchewan. <laughs> I want Charlie Get on that, Margarita. athletic. Yeah, Charlie Margarita needs it to look- be <laughs> Charlie Margarita. <laughs> <sighs> From TheAthletic.com, Charlie O'Connor. So, Kelly is going to say that she hates August. My counter-argument is I love August. <laughs> for the exact reason that Kelly hates August, in that I don't have to do as much, which fucking rules. This is, this is the time of year I live for. No, very, very little work, and I can relax and chill and not have to think about hockey stuff. So I love this month. This month is great. Let August, I mean, let all, let August last three months. I don't care. I do Charlie, I'm still getting paid. You, but, you know. but Charlie, where's Jay O'Brien? Where is Jay O'Brien? <laughs> So, so ba- backstory here. Um, I I did a um, an Flyers offseason depth chart um, article for this morning, and I I I say this mostly with love, but partially with like Jesus Christ, people. I do think there's a contingent of my commenters, probably ones that grew up on BSH because BSH in the (laughs) old BSH days of like Travis and Jeff and everybody were the masters of like finding the littlest thing to nitpick and then turning into Mm -hmm. this big ass thing. There's There's a contingent of commenters that I believe reads my articles to try and find one little mistake whether it be a typo or whether it be a player that I missed in a list or whether it be a position that was wrong because I didn't note that this guy actually plays three positions instead of two and then they jump in the comment section like hey what about this and the article has been out for I think four hours and already two people have noted that I forgot to put Jay O'Brien's name in the bottom section where I I taught I, I basically list out all the players who are in the organization but have not yet signed contracts with the organization so they're not really on the depth chart, but sort of are. And in four hours, two people pointed out that I forgot Jay O'Brien. Like, I'm sorry. I forgot Jay O'Brien. My bad. My bad. Unbelievable. And normally I would have asked my editor to just throw it in there just to pacify people. But my editor's on vacation. So it's like, sorry, guys. You're just going to have to deal with the fact that Jay O'Brien is not next to, you know, what other illustrious names? Marcus Westfault and Connor McLennan and uh, Igor Serdyuk. 
Yeah, he's not. <laughs> oh, there. that's a name I recognize. <laughs> just, just, didn't recognize. Just imagine, just imagine that really, J. O'Brien's name is there, guys. It really took me a minute. I was like, is he actually naming the commenters? And I was like, oh no, wait, I've actually seen those names before. Those are Gavin Hayes. Someone has. <laughs> yeah, yeah, those are those are prospects. Those are people. They're yeah. real people. Oh it my took God. until Sir Duck to be like, yeah. oh, those are prospects. That's when I was like, oh, wait, no, I do know those names. I've seen them written down before. That's good shit. Last but certainly not least, Stephalicious D, Steph Driver. I also love August, but for a different reason than Charlie. Um, and kind of the opposite reason why Kelly hates it. It just gives me time, which I never have during the season. So. While I don't produce content regularly enough for Kelly to think I'm important. Oh, Lord. That was not the intention of that conversation. Like that interview with Chuck Fletcher never You're happened. Like, too never important. Happened. You're too important to produce content. You're managing everybody else that's producing content. So I can't get mad at you for not writing things because you're not the one writing things. It's all the other assholes that you're the boss of. Why don't you boss them better? How's that? We're Brit Steph. I fucking am trying. So that's what August is for. August is for cracking the whip and implementing processes and building new communities. And I like this stuff. These because buzzwords I am a big are fucking, fucking nerd. These buzzwords are so funny. Like I can that picture was a very you, buzzy. Like like in a conference Synergy. room, just like so the community building we're gonna be doing. Synergy. <laughs> community Synergy. engagement, guys. <laughs> that's what our parties are called, by the way. Community engagement. Connectitude. Oh, that's good <laughs> shit. Hey, whatever whatever gets the funding, call it what you want. Yeah. <laughs> community engagement. That's that's what we do here. Uh, we are engaging the community, and I'm coming up with a bunch of other community engagement plans for the season for Broad Street Hockey, which means more parties. Ooh. Woo! I do love And that all happens in August. I start laying the foundations for those things in August. So, it's a good month. So, I guess a uh, little saying. peek behind the curtain here for me Uh like, our outline, our show outline is laid out so that we all put, like, a little thing at the top that we're going to start off the show with, like, in intros. And everybody just put their feelings about August in this one. It starts with Kelly, <laughs> I hate August, and then Charlie and Steph, counter-argument, I love August. And well, I, had said, to, I had to defend, like, this is, <laughs> it, it's, it's not even just that I don't hate August. Like, August is the month that I look forward to all year. So like you're 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 shitting on my favorite month of the year, and I can't let that go without you know countering that argument. I guess I never. I thought we were talking about just the concept of August, like not what it meant to us professionally. <laughs> oh no, and I don't give a shit about the concept of anything. Yeah. I only really care about how it affects me. August, I guess like it's still technically summer, but it's like I was in Target the other day, and there's like back to school shit. And I don't care that I'm 32 years old. It bums me out. Like, mm. I was like, no. I, throw the fucking backpacks away. Where are the shorts? Dude, <laughs> there's Halloween candy at the Acme. Well, Halloween candy is good. Well, that's just so. because, like, capitalism and we're all insane. Because, you know, the, the, even if, even if the, the next holiday is two and a half months down the line, we have to start promoting it. Because what else are we going to do? Also, I'm, like, real fucking weird and I love school supplies. Which I know doesn't make any sense. That makes zero you were, sense. You were an English major. I love school supplies. Like I like like the yeah. smell of pencils and like fresh notebooks and. I love composition I'm a, books. A fucking nerd. Yeah, see, Bill gets it. Kelly, I'm not gonna lie. That's a little strange. Oh, uh, whatever. <laughs> no, it's I very mean, first Kelly. of all, is it the weirdest thing about me? Absolutely, the fuck not. It's <laughs> extremely on brand. Yeah, this doesn't this doesn't shock me a little bit. It doesn't move the needle. No, but this I like is the smell very on brand. Pencils. I'm a weirdo. Welcome. I love the idea of going back to school, but I think that started in college. Mm. Or maybe like late high school. I have forgotten when I how was to cool. learn anything, so. No, I, I, just... I miss being cool. Also, I was never, And like having a regular cool. routine. What do I... I miss... Le do I miss school? Do I need to go back to school? You do be learning a lot of stuff, though. <laughs> Like on to, your own. To be learning. <laughs> I know. You learn so many things. 
I know, it's absurd. There's always like a fact that comes out of you, and I'm like, wow, Steph knows so much about African spiders. That's wild. I know way too much about African spiders. Of course you do. It's remarkable. This, this show has gone completely off I think the rails. I often, well, it's August. It's all Welcome, go, welcome to hockey in August. I often think about, like, getting another bachelor's degree. Like, I don't want, like, a master's or anything. That would just be stupid. Uh, but it, really, I just want to go back to college, and since it couldn't be like that, it's, it seems pointless. I don't want to learn things. I always hated school. I don't want any more loans. That's my problem. See, I've thought about, like, going to a university or, or a college just to, like, audit classes. Mm. Like, I don't want to take your tests. Well, I do, but I don't want you to have to grade them. <laughs> I need my own competitive knowledge. Like, I want to treat tests like they're quizzo. Um, <laughs> and I want to sit in the back of the class and I want to listen, but I don't actually want to complete a degree. I just want to do learning. You could just, like, go to Drexel. I don't Drexel's. know if that's the thing. Like, I don't want to pay for it. I just want to show up and listen. Yeah, just, like, that, that you know Drexel's campus. Just, like, go to Drexel's campus and go into one of, like, the large lecture halls that no one would notice you in and just sit there and listen to class. Do they have big lecture halls they at Drexel? Should. I'm assuming they do. Yeah. Yeah, there you yeah. go. Do that. Yeah, they've got quite a few. Bring popcorn or something. Bring popcorn. Oh, so many snacks. But not the snacks that I brought when I was in college. Because that is counterproductive. <laughs> All right. So uh, yeah. I, think, I think we've done this. Is that enough? Um, That's enough. The hockey, I suppose. <laughs> I so, suppose. So we've had some time to think on it. Um, how do we feel about this roster now that it looks complete? Like, we've had some time. We've, we've, had to, we've been able to ruminate. Uh, what do we actually think? Like, how good are they, do you think? I'm feeling very good. I'm now shocked. That, I know. Now that it's all settled. <laughs> August, baby. It's all settled, and also I've decided to divorce the new roster players from the transactions that place them on the team. Sure. And in doing so, I've been able to find a lot of joy in the new Flyers. I think they're going to be quite good. Um, what's his face? Dom Loose Chicken. He, um, not that far off. Loose chicken. Yeah, that's the only way I know how to say it. <laughs> he, um, he put a graph on Twitter.com this morning that kind of showed that the Flyers did pretty well adding wins overall to the team, just kind of based on the stats. So that's good. Um, but yeah, I'm feeling, I'm feeling good about it. I think the changes that they made are like good in a lot of ways, and, and most of the ways are not on the ice, which I think is kind of important. Yeah, that, that's really the tough part about analyzing this offseason because, you know, we talked about this last week, and I mentioned that, that I think the Flyers on paper are better. I think they're better than they were last year. And it's funny, you know, I think a lot of people took my point that I, I think they're better, but I don't think they're dramatically better on paper as, like, a bad thing because, you know— they obviously were really bad last year in terms of results, so getting a little bit better isn't actually going to move the needle all that much. And my response to that is that the, the, the disconnect here is that I thought that the Flyers of last year, from a true talent standpoint, were much better than what they played. So I'm saying that they're a little bit better from what I viewed as their true talent level last year, which I viewed as being like somewhere in like the 6 to 10 range in terms mm -hmm. of the league. So saying they got a little bit better from that actually isn't a bad thing at all. It means they're a little bit better than a team that was like a, I viewed as like a second-tier contender that could maybe jump at a first-tier contender status if some things broke their way. Well, obviously, everything broke against them, including the goaltending being the worst in hockey by a full percentage point. So... My thing was that if the Flyers, and I never thought they were going to do this, but if the Flyers literally had done nothing this offseason, brought everybody back, I think they would have been a playoff contender. I don't think yeah. they would have been a cup contender, but I think they would have been a playoff contender if like mm -hmm. Carter Hart just wasn't the worst goalie in hockey and they didn't have a COVID breakout midseason. Like if, if everything didn't go wrong, they would have been like a bubble playoff team, borderline like solid. Like, 
the only reason why I would say they would have been a bubble playoff team is because the Eastern Conference, if you've taken a look at it, is way better than the West. Like, mm-hmm. I, I would have confidently viewed the Flyers, had they done nothing in the offseason, as one of the 16 best teams in hockey. The problem is, is that, like, there's only, like, four good teams in the West, so it's a lot harder to make the playoffs in the East than the West. Seriously, take a look at the Western Conference if you haven't yet. It's rough. And especially if you're like me who doesn't think the St. Louis Blues are good anymore, then it's really rough. Then you basically just have Colorado, Vegas, um, and then the other team. What's the other team I'm blanking on that's actually good? Um, Dallas? I mean, I think Dallas is one of the four, but there's another actually good team that I'm forgetting that's not Colorado. Oh, Edmonton, obviously. <laughs> no, not Edmonton. Maybe it is just those um, but, uh, but, yeah, so I kind of view the um, – Yeah, it might, it might actually just be those, those – yeah. the Colorado, Vegas, and, and Dallas are the three teams that I actually rate in the West, which is pathetic. Um, but the point I'm getting at is that I think the Flyers are going to be better – um, on paper, but the big gamble they're taking is that, and I, I tweeted about this earlier today, that basically that the team chemistry is going to be a lot better, that they're going to um, respond better to adversity, uh, and every piece, the pieces are just going to fit better. And that's one of those things where, like, I can take a step back and say, yeah, I can see why the, how that could be the outcome. Like, I can, I can see what they're going for, and in theory, it seems like it could work out that way. But it's one of those things where, like, you're not going to know until they actually play hockey. Yeah. Like, I think, uh-huh. like, Steph, I, I think Chuck Fletcher actually mentioned this in his interview with you, I believe. I'm not 100% sure if it came from your interview, but I think it did. I need to go back and listen to it. But, um, but I think he said something to the extent of, like, you know, one thing that was wrong last year was that— Giroux and Couturier, like, they're good leaders, but they didn't have a lot of help when things went bad. Like, when things went bad, they were trying to, like, stop the bleeding, and they just didn't have a lot of support from other people on the team. You know, not even in terms of what they were doing on the ice, but in terms of what they were trying to say off the ice. You're just to, like, get everybody back into a better frame of mind. And I think the guys they added, you know, guys like Ryan Ellis, guys like Cam Atkinson, I think they will help players like Drew and Couturier, you know, if the Flyers go on a four-game losing streak, that it's not going to turn into a 10-game losing streak. Like, they, they, they needed some new voices to make it so a season doesn't spiral out of control like the last one did. And I think they, they went out and they got people who, in theory, should be able to prevent that from happening again. I think that's important. Yeah, and, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, like, I, I, even just going back to what you started out saying, um, even, you know, I believe they needed cultural chemistry, whatever you want to call it, they needed to make these changes in order to improve the team. But if they were to have hypothetically run it back, like, maybe they're not what they showed us January to March 2020, but they're closer to that than they showed last season, true talent exactly. wise. Like, exactly. There's no, I, they're closer to that than what they showed us last season, which was a big pile of shit in the middle of the ice. But it is, you know, they had to make the changes because when you don't show that, that shows something else is wrong. Uh, what I wanted to get at with how good do you feel about this roster is just looking at the construction of it, and you mentioned Giroux and Couturier. Uh, They're the team's two best players. Maybe you want to put Ryan Ellis in there, maybe not, whatever. But to me, those are the team's two best players. And they're both in contract years. We haven't heard really an update on any extension. Obviously, they haven't moved those guys to the two most important, you know, the two best players in the team. So that tells me just perhaps they'll be happy going into the year with those guys on, you know, one-year deals that we're going for it, if you're comfortable doing that. Is this a going-for-it roster right now? I think, I think it so. could be. Well, yeah, it yeah. could be. I mean, it's not. they didn't go, like, all-in, all-in, in the sense that they emptied out the prospect pool and traded away every single draft pick. But, you know, you don't make the trades they make without, you know, an implicit assumption that you can be, a you know, a pretty darn good team. You know, you don't trade mm-hmm. away – Phil Myers and Nolan Pasher, you don't trade away your first-round pick. Like, there are moves that were made that imply that the Flyers think, you know, maybe they're not close to being a true cup contender, but they're certainly close to being a darn good team, at least in also, terms of how they, how they think of themselves. Also, I think when a team goes for it, goes for it. 
Like that involves deadline moves also. And Chuck did a really good job keeping the cupboard stocked so that we could make deadline moves if, you know, by the time we get around to March, this is looking like a team that could, in fact, go for it. I have no doubt that if they need to make moves at the deadline to get better, then they're going to do that. So I don't see why this couldn't like be a team. Like Johnny Goudreau. John Hockey coming home. <laughs> People keep a... Uh... Yeah, I, so I think... I think that to say that they're going for it, it, it's a little bit too soon to say that. But um, as Chuck said in my interview, they wanted to get the offseason moves taken care of first. Yeah, yeah. Then they were going to focus on the, the now guys. That might have been my favorite question because it's when, like, he loosened up. He was like, okay, yeah, she's, okay, we can fuck around a little. Like, that was... You know, Chuck told... Chuck, this Chuck, our Chuck, Charlie, told me to make a joke out of it, so I made yeah. a joke out of it, complete with hand motion. Like, what's taking so long? <laughs> no, that was good stuff. Yeah, and, like, I'm not even concerned that they haven't signed that. It's just, like, looking at it from the outside, like, if you weren't deep involved with the Flyers, you would just look and go, oh... Like, their two best players are on one-year contracts, and we don't really know how good the team is. That And, uh, oh, they fucking traded a first-round pick for Rasmus Ristolainen. They must be really going for it here. Uh, but, yeah, I, I do think there's still moves to be made, and they're in-season moves based on what we see. Like I said last week, I love that they have... I think Charlie even wrote it in an article... Um, like, the Cam York insurance policy with Keith Yandel. Like... They're not just crossing their fingers on some guys and being like, well, better luck next year if Cam York isn't ready. That's really cool. Uh, <laughs> I forgot Yandel was a Flyers. He's the I one did I'm too. most excited about. Don't Until right why. now, I forgot Yandel was a Flyers. When I was looking at, when I was looking at Cab Friendly last night, just putting the outline together, I was like, oh, right, him. I kind of like that. Good stuff. Yeah, he's, he's around. Um, yeah, you know, it's a... Uh, We've talked about this as well over the last few weeks. I forget when we when we brought this up, but you know, I said that it does make the fact that the Flyers' two best players theoretically could bid free agency next summer. It makes it so like the Flyers still have the flexibility to do a hard pivot to a rebuild if this year blows up in their face. So like, but I mean, the, the thing is like, that's not, and now you're, you're looking at it as like, I, I don't want to deal with another rebuild, but at the same time, like not a lot of teams have that kind of flexibility, you know, where if, if the Flyers just suck this year, they could, and they could trade away both those guys, restock the pipeline and just, you know, really just pivot hard to like, okay, we're going to build around Carter hard and, you know, maybe Proby and a couple other guys and then just, you know tank hard for for Shane Wright and and Bedard and people like that so like they have the ability to theoretically do that and that does add flexibility plus you know if you're like my understanding with Giroux in particular I don't have a really good read on Couturier aside from the fact that I do think you know I don't think he's opposed to the idea of resigning with the Flyers I just think he wants a lot more money which is understandable like my understanding with Giroux is that like all things considered he wants to finish his career yeah that said if the team sucks again this year you know, that changes. Maybe you're, you, you're Claude Drew and you're like, look, I love being in Philly. I got a life here, but I want to win a cup. So, Chuck, maybe you trade me to a team at the deadline that I can win a freaking cup. Now, if the Flyers are good, that's irrelevant because then he's like, well, I can win that cup here. Or at least he starts thinking he can win that cup here. And then he probably resigns and everything's good. But, like, the team's performance this season – in my, in a lot of ways, in my mind, is going to dictate what happens with those two guys, and not because either of them want to leave, but because the Flyers just finished a really miserable season, and right now, both of those guys can look at that miserable spe- miserable season and say that was a one off. We were on the right track. It was just a dumpster fire every year. They made changes. They made adjustments. They got us more help. We're going to turn it around. So right now, if you ask both of those guys, I bet. Are you going to sign back in Philadelphia? They probably both would say, "Yeah, I think so." You know, obviously we need to, you know, needs to be a fair deal, but I think I'm going to be back in Philly. I'm, I think I'm going to stay in Philly long term. If the team's bad again, like I wouldn't blame either one of them if they're if they're you know paths change, if their thought processes change about whether they want to stay in Philly or not. So it's one of the another one of the reasons why this is a really big year. 
It is. And while I said, like, they have some insurance policies, like Yandel, and they, you know, they, they bolstered uh, the depth chart quite a bit here, but Provorov, Hart, and Konechny. Uh, Konechny's still here. Hart, I mean, they brought in a, a backup who uh, who stinks, so I, I, I guess <laughs> Carter Hart's going to be the guy. Ivan Provorov, up and down NHL career, but, man, it kind of, like... I don't want to say the season hinges on these three because other shit can go on and th- they can be good, but fuck, it kind of comes down to these three guys. Like, if they play to their potential, everything will be absolutely fine. Like, and if we think optimistically for a second, because the idea of transitioning to a rebuild now makes me want to jump out the fucking window. Uh, <laughs> Same. Like, if we think optimistically for a second, like, what if those three guys are as good as we thought they were? How good is this team then? Pretty good. Pretty good, right? I mean, yep. I've already seen people yeah, saying. Yeah, but they have to be. Sorry, That's go ahead, okay. Kelly. I was just going to say I've already seen people saying that, like, oh, Carter Hart's just going to be a league average goaltender, and then everyone's going to think Chuck Fletcher is a genius. But, like, honestly, that's all this team that's needs hockey to be back in that's it. Yeah, fucking exactly. hockey like, every it's single just year the fucking goaltending so every team that wins is just fucking lucky except for tampa because they're paying 20 million dollars over the <laughs> salary cap and everyone else that wins is just fucking lucky like jordan bennington not that good he plays they good they win the fucking stanley cup the end I, I can't hear oh he's not he didn't even do that good the goalie's just, he, he's supposed to do he's the franchise goalie he's supposed to be that that's what the team's built around. Yeah, so Sorry. here's the thing with those three, right? So they would have to prove that they're as good as we think they are. Yeah. And I think that the the shine has worn off of Provorov specifically. We thought for a long time he could be the number one, he could be the number one, he could be the number one, and he's not. He's just not that guy. And I don't think that it would be fair to expect him to be. I think if we start moving our expectations to a solid two that can eat minutes for all three meals of the day, great. Like, that's what we have in Provorov. As far as the other two, Carter Hart needs a bounce back here or else we're in a lot of trouble. And I think Konechny is fine. I think people really need to back off Travis Konechny. Like, the Britney Spears video a la t- the year 2000, but with Travis Konechny. Leave Travis Konechny alone. I mean, he hasn't been good <laughs> since the first COVID pause. I think he's going to agree. He, I think he's going to be okay, but he hasn't been good enough since the first COVID pause. He was good when he came back from having COVID. He was, was good it? when he came back from having COVID. I mean, maybe like a first couple of games. I, I I don't think Konechny had an awful year. I just don't think he obviously didn't have as good of a year as he had the year before, and he obviously was bad in the playoffs. Um, I do agree. that I, I agree to an extent that Konechny gets a lot of shit from mm-hmm. corners of Twitter. Um, and I think part of it is rational because I think part of it was driven by the belief that if the Flyers are going to make big moves, Travis Konechny was a prime trade piece. And, yeah. you know, if you wanted to get, like, a Jack Eichel, you're probably going to have to give up a Travis Konechny. I do believe that if the Flyers— I think if—let me put it this way. I think if the Flyers would have gotten Seth Jones, I think Travis Konechny was gone. Um, and I think that was—I think Konechny kind of knew that. Um, then they didn't get Seth Jones because he wasn't willing to come to Philly or wasn't willing to resign in Philly. So, boom, Konechny's safe. Um, so that part of it, I, I, I agree with and I believe is rational. I do, however, believe there's another group that doesn't like Travis Konechny because the people they dislike like Travis Konechny. Ah, uh, yes. And <laughs> A normal they, thing. they get annoyed that, people. like, Travis Konechny— We do. We do. And they are insufferable. But I do believe there's a little bit of, like, you know— Oh, the group that that loved love Nolan Patrick loves Travis Konechny too, and you overrate him. He's not even all that good. So I think there there's a bit of that which annoys me. Um, but Konechny's like, look, if Konechny is just a sixty point a year guy on his contract, that's fine. Like that's about what he's getting paid to do. 
the ideal would be if he jumps back to where he was in 2019, 2020 in the regular season, because that was a guy who was, you know, close to, um, you know, was close to point per game, drove play, was consistently impactful on a nightly basis. And one thing that I think is going to help Konechny, because I actually, I think Konechny's going to have a, a, a pretty darn good year. Maybe not as good as 2019, 2020, but I think he's going to have a pretty darn good year. And there's a couple, of, couple points that I think from a usage standpoint are going to help him. The big one being, Jake Voracek's gone. Mm. So, I mean, there was always kind of a thing of like, you know, if you, if you kind of, if you want to put Drew and Voracek on the same power play unit, where does Konechny fit? Well, now Voracek's gone. Now Konechny will probably be on that unit. You know, you can, you can make that work. Now, Voracek doesn't have to be with Drew and Couturier as much. So, well, not at all. But like, Konechny <laughs> can go, Konechny can become the top line right wing. And I think it's going to help him. I, There's I, no, he's not blocked. Like, yeah, he's not blocked. Like, like Cam Atkins is, is a good player, and maybe he ends up as that guy, but he's older. He's older, and he's probably a little bit more of a role guy at this point. I like the potential of connecting, taking a step forward with more ice time and, and more prominent usage now that Jake Voracek's going. I think it's going to, it's going to help his numbers. I think it's going to help his performance. That's, that's my expectation going into the season. I yeah, and, and he's gonna have super dad energy. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. he will oh, yeah, have like super Drew. dad energy. It worked for Joel Embiid. Um, <clears throat> yeah, <laughs> like, and I, I take umbrage. I I, I I gotta take exception to what Charlie just said because I have a uh, personal vendetta against Nolan Patrick, and I'm <laughs> a TK fan, so. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I don't. Do you have a vendetta against Nolan Patrick? You know, has it reached Mrazic levels? I've decided that um, everybody who leaves us is my enemy now. Like, oh, Carson fair. Wentz okay. never said two bad words about me or Philadelphia, but fuck him. He's my enemy. Uh, I-, I think Philly kind of got soft in these last few years, and we need to be mean motherfuckers again. It's up to us, too. <laughs> like, it's not just the play on the field, on the diamond, on the ice, on the court that has to be tougher. We as fans need to get back to what we used to be. Get right back where we started from, if you will. Oh, uh, God. Oh, my God. <laughs> that was just for you. You and that song. That was just... You and that song. Uh, um, um, I, I guess I have, I have trouble... I have trouble holding a grudge against players that were traded away. Like, if they went to free agency or if they left on their own accord, that's one thing. But if they were traded, like, we don't want you anymore, I have a really hard time holding a grudge against them. Anybody who leaves is my enemy. Okay. That's it. Um, I guess we oh, should... All right. Let's take a break here, and then I want to do Provorov stuff, and then a few other things, and then we're done, guys. All right, everybody. Welcome back. Uh, it's time to finish up BSH. Now, we, we still have, like, half the show. Whenever I say we're going to wrap it up, like... That's 45 minutes more of, of talk least. and bullshit. <laughs> uh, I wanted to get to this later, but it kind of came up in the last topic uh, with, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, with uh, TK and Hart. Steph, you said, like, the shine has come off of Provorov, and it really has. But, goddamn, let's go back 12 months. And this is from, uh, I, I want to quote one of Charlie's articles real quick. Provorov had just concluded his best regular season yet with the Flyers and then capped it off with a playoff run that saw him take on nearly 26 minutes per night and score the dramatic double overtime game-winning goal in Game 6 of the team's second-round playoff series against the New York Islanders. In short, he entered the offseason with that nebulous, much-coveted feeling, momentum. Uh, obviously, his momentum hit a brick fucking wall, and last year was a, <laughs> last year was a disaster for everybody on the roster, basically. Uh, so, like, and Provorov was maybe one of the, like maybe the most disappointing player. Uh, no, Carter Hart did exist, so there's no way he <laughs> could be more disappointing. Indeed. But mm-hmm. like Provorov, we thought was gonna be okay. This is it. This is his taking that step into the actual Norris conversation. Being that guy, you're never sure if somebody's a one, but we were like, it's happening. He became it. And then uh, the opposite happened. Mm-hmm. You know, he's had such an up and down career. It's hard to really pin it down, but again, 
what if he's as good as we think he is? Like, what if he is what we thought he was 12 months ago, and now we... It's not even Matt Niskanen. Like, Matt Niskanen said, I'm just an old dude, like, following him around. Like, now they have someone who's as good as him? That could be really awesome. That's the thing, like, now at this point, with the Ryan Ellis acquisition, like, we don't need Ivan Provorov anymore to be as good as we were hoping that he was. He can be kind of like... he could be. He could be, and that would be amazing if he is. But also, if he is just a solid two, which is kind of, I think, where we settled in, that he's a good two. (laughs) Solid two. Yeah. Like me. Like, he's a a good number two. (laughs) Kelly. That... (laughs) It was too easy, sorry. That that with a very very strong partner is a very good defenseman, like he was with Matt Niskanen. We should see that, because Ryan Ellis is definitely better than Matt Niskanen, so I'm not really... I mean, I am worried about Provorov, because there is a chance that he... He does last year again. But, like, hopefully with Ryan Ellis as a partner, we'll see what we saw when he had Matt Niskanen. And that was, like, a very, very good number two defenseman, which is here's, not a bad thing to have. Here's the thing about last year. Yes, Provorov, he himself was bad. But who was paired with Ivan Provorov? Because if you asked me 12 hours ago who played the top pair minutes with him, I'd be like, I don't know. I've blocked it all out. It's gone. Um... The answer is Justin Braun, who, listen... I was about to say, who the fuck was it? Like, yeah, I can't even no, think back. It, like, I had to, like, read several... It was, like, Charlie's article and then several other things, and I was like, fuck, that is a thing that happened. Like, I'm a, I am like Justin Braun. I think he's got a place in the league. I think he's got a place on this roster. It Not on the top pair. It ain't <laughs> next to Ivan Provorov, 20-plus minutes a game. Like, that's Dude. insanity. And, and the thing is, and the Flyers knew that. Yeah. Like, no, they were, just they had were, no options. There were a lot of quotes. I think Vino had a quote like this near the end of the year. Fletcher had a quote like this. Basically, where, like, without saying it, but they said it. It was like, Justin Braun's having a great year because we're playing him way above his talent level and he's <laughs> yeah. not getting killed. And it was, that was basically what they were saying was like, look, I'm not saying that Justin Braun is like an all-star, but he ain't a top pair defenseman. We're using him in that role and he's like treading water. So give the guy some credit, which is completely fair. Like he was fine mm-hmm. considering the fact that no one wanted him in that role. No less the Philadelphia Flyers. They didn't want him in that role either. It was just that Phil Myers was awful. Travis Sanheim and Provorov, like, really don't seem to work together as a duo. And then Ghost was only good with Provorov when they played against crappy teams. (laughs) Yeah, so, and you just brought up Travis Sanheim. That's who I wanted to get to next. RFA were waiting on that contract, and I wouldn't put Sanheim in that Pro-V Hart TK group, like, the three guys who really need to come through for us, but yeah, without him, they don't have a second pair. Like, man, Sanheim is another guy. We were just expecting, like, okay, this is what he is. Him and Phil Myers, uh, man, this is a pair for the next 10 years. These guys are just going to be it together, like just the Twin Towers over here, good shit, and then they both fell off. Phil Myers is gone now, and Sanheim... What do we, Charlie? You just said, can we actually talk about Sandheim for a second? What's your assessment of what he is going to be for them now moving forward? Well, it's interesting that you led with Provorov into Sandheim because, I mean, one of the reasons why, and I guess in theory, this could end up getting flipped, and that would be interesting on a lot of levels. But one of the reasons why I'm optimistic about Provorov, it goes back to Ryan Ellis. You know, you get Ryan Ellis to be his partner, and we talk about, I mean, I've been adamant that I think Ivan Provorov is, you know, more number two than a number one. But the thing with Provorov is that when he's given a good partner, he then plays like a number one. Mm. But, like, I mean, that's the thing where it's like, yes, he's a number two, but you give him a good partner, and then he produces results as if he was a number one. So just get him a good partner and let him do that. And I think they've given him that partner in Ryan Ellis. Sanheim, on the other hand, <laughs> are probably going to give him Rasmus the line. And, and my concern there is, like, I just don't know if that's going to work. 
But as I said, they could also always end up flipping it. They could end up giving Provorov versus the Lion and mm. then give Sanheim Ellis. And then, then I'd be totally confident that a Sanheim Ellis pairing would rule. But I'd be terrified of a Provorov versus the Lion pairing because then the Flyers are just doing exactly what Buffalo did and putting versus the Lion in the role where he already oh, failed miserably at. How um, how bad was Sanheim with McDonald? I can't remember back that far. They were pretty good. They okay. actually. The, so I mean, maybe. that's one of the and that's one of the things that like has been kind of funny on on social media is that you know. And this goes back. This is why I put it in the outline, because I wanted to talk about Sanheim because for years, the big disconnect in the online portion of the fan base was regarding Shane Goss' bear. Mm -hmm. There was a group that thought he was really good, and then there was a group that didn't just think he wasn't good, that just didn't even think he was like an NHL caliber player. And I get the sense that Sanheim is taking up the ghost role because the crew that hated ghost also hates Sanheim. So it's just sort of flipped. And now, because I mean, I can't tell you how many people I have in my mentions. Because I did an article on projecting like Sanheim's potential contract. And people are like, Sanheim doesn't even deserve $3 million. It's like, he was getting paid $3.25 okay. million. He's not taking a fucking pay cut, guys. Like, chill. But there's a lot of people that really think Sanheim is, is actually bad. They think he's bad. It's not just that he's overrated. It's that he's bad. I think Travis Anheim is quite good, and my biggest hope for the risk Rasmus Ristolainen trade working out is that Travis Sanheim can carry Rasmus Ristolainen the way he carried Andrew McDonald in his rookie season and was maybe the first defenseman in NHL history who was able to do that. <laughs> I, was, I was amazed when that pairing worked, and it was very clearly Travis Sanheim who was doing the heavy lifting. It wasn't Andrew McDonald because we'd seen him with everybody else and hadn't. Travis Sanheim, maybe he can do the same thing with Ristolainen. But Ristolainen, as I've looked at, you know, in Buffalo, pretty much dragged down everybody. So what they're clearly doing with the Ristolainen thing is they just slid Ristolainen right into where Myers is. And yeah. there are similarities between the two. I mean, they're both immense physical talents that scouts really like. I mean, you saw that in the ability for the Flyers to get Ryan Ellis for Phil Myers. I mean, clearly people around the league still think very highly of Phil Myers and his potential. And they both, both Myers and Ristolainen have really the same problem. It's a hockey IQ problem. It's that they don't think the game at a super high level. So the optimistic way to look at it is Sanheim Myers worked for a while. Maybe Ristolainen and Sanheim can work for a while, and we'll see. I mean, that's the risk. And they just figure, well, Ristolainen is even more physical than Myers. He's meaner than Myers. So maybe that'll take you know, even more of the load off of Sanheim because he doesn't really have to deal with the front of the net stuff at all because Ristolainen will just take that. Mm-hmm. And that's really what I'm optimistic about with that pairing. My biggest thing with Sanheim for the last couple of years is, dude just needs to get fucking meaner. Well, now he's paired with a guy who just kills people. Like, that's his job out there. And he has the time and space to be the puck-moving defenseman he's supposed to be. So, like, I think it could work. Ultimately, I would like, you know, Rasmus Ristolainen in, like, a third-pair role, but doesn't look like that's going to be what's happening and I, I see a path for it to work because like Sanheim can get lost in his zone a little bit he is pretty bad in front of the net now you actually give him a guy who can handle some of those responsibilities is he awesome will we complain about him does he have flaws will we go lol is he in, like ejects himself off the screen hunting hits sometimes <laughs> yes that will all happen, but I think ultimately they could be a successful pair because of like the dynamic between their playing styles. Bill, I'm just envisioning when you were talking about that like <laughs> Sanheim's got to get mean thing. I'm envisioning you as Patches O'Hulahan and Dodgeball, and San <laughs> Sanheim as the guy from um, the guy from from Office Space. <laughs> you got to get mean. You got to get angry. <laughs> He does. Like, that's always been my issue with him. Just like, dude, you're playing defense in the NHL. You're bigger than everybody. Like, throw a cross check every now and then. Like, I, like do something bad. Like, break a rule. I, but, but, but that's the thing. I do think that's the reason at its core. That's the reason why the anti-Sanheim crew hates Sanheim as much as they oh, do. Oh, absolutely. It's because it's because he's not that. He's not mm -hmm. a super physical defenseman. You know, the thing that always gets brought up when that crew really goes all in on the Sanheim hate is him losing the fight to Nathan Gerby. Like that, like, like that I think was the moment I mean, that is when fast. that crew, when that crew <laughs> was just like, get rid of this guy. He's a bum. And 
Look, Sanheim is not a good fighter. He's very clearly not a good fighter. I remember this past season, um, he tried to fight somebody on the Devils. I forget who it was. And, like, again, it, it didn't go well. Like, he just isn't a good fighter. And then the next practice, Samuel Moran's, like, giving Sanheim yeah. tips of, like, how to fight. He's, like, they're, like, they're, 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 like, grappling with each other. And he's, like, showing them, like, this is how you get your arm free and stuff. Like, okay, Big Sam. I, I, I like that. I like that from you. Um, like, Sanheim, the worst thing you can be is large and not physical. Yes. yes. It's the, yeah. literally the worst sin. Yeah. Now, because Santa, and like Santa could literally like put his arm out and like palm someone's head and like they wouldn't be able to hit him. Like he could pull that like cartoon move. Uh, it, it, it's frustrating sometimes, but it's just not his skill set. He's a puck mover, and I think he'll have more of that room out there with Ristolainen. Maybe. I mean, that's obviously part of the thought process. And again, you know, I do think we might be or getting a little yeah, bit, yeah. we might be getting a little bit too hung up on pairings just because it seems like they made so much. Yeah. Sense. And they Ellis move around. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, I don't know what they're willing to do with, um, you know, with Ristolainen. And as I said, I mean, they could, they could end up putting him with Provi because it's like, well, they both take big minutes and whatever. <laughs> um, but, like, Sanheim Braun has worked in the past. So, you know, it's not out of the realm of possibility that if, like, Sanheim Rissaline just doesn't work, that they put Sanheim with Braun. And they're like, well, we know this one works. This is, like, an old faithful pairing. Let's just go back to it, and we'll figure out later where Aristo fits. You know, we'll put him with, you know, Keith Yandel, um, or we'll try him with Proby. So, like, the coaches are going to move things around. So I don't want to get too locked yeah. in on these specific pairs. But I do agree that, like, you got Ristolainen because you're hoping – that they fit, he fits with Sanheim just because it makes such, you know, in theory, sense in the sense that, you know, Sanheim's the puck mover guy and Risto's the kill people guy. And, like, in my mind, just looking at the way this defense is set up, I get that, you know, they're paying Risto line in a lot. They gave up a first-round pick. Uh, I understand he's played big minutes, but when I just look at it, there's kind of a top three and a bottom three. And I wouldn't hate the idea, like you said, Ellis and Sandheim playing together. Wouldn't hate the idea if all three of those guys kind of played together and then they mixed and matched in uh, the bottom three. Obviously, you know, 82-game season, everyone's got to play some minutes. But if it's more of a top three, bottom three setup, especially in the playoffs, I don't think that would be the worst thing in the world either. When do we think these Sandheim and Hart contracts are getting done? Well, Sanheim's arbitration is scheduled for the final day. Oh, there is an arbitration schedule. They, they, they announced that today. Yeah, okay. well, it was club elected, so the Flyers were the ones that chose to to take Sanheim arbitration, not the other way around. And it's scheduled for August 26th. So um, at the very least, I mean, as long as um, as long as the Flyers don't trade Travis Sanheim, which I don't think they're going to do, it's going to be resolved around August 25th or 26th because they did change. They made a rule change with arbitrations, which is interesting. Um, the way it used to be was that you went to arbitration and you could obviously negotiate with the other team, with, with the team, um, you know, for a new contract leading up to the hearing. And then Into you, the room, like Braden Shen. But, but even beyond that, what they could still do is, you know, after the hearing is done, but the ruling isn't out yet, they could still agree to a deal. Like up until the moment that the arbitrator issued the ruling, the two sides could agree on a contract and just throw out whatever ruling it was going to be. Well, now it's once the hearing begins, the only contract that can be agreed to is the one that the arbitrator decides on. So basically, if they get to August 26th and there isn't a contract yet before they step into the room and begin the hearing, it's going to be whatever the arbitrator decides, and that can only be a one-year or a two-year contract based on whichever of the two Travis Sanheim's camp picks. And I would presume they probably would pick a two-year because that would take them right to unrestricted free agency. Like, my understanding of what's going on there is I just think that they're far— like, I think both sides ideally would like to do a longer-term deal, but I just think they're far apart. And I think that's sort of what's the holdup. And the Flyers are like, let's just go to arbitration and get this figured out one way or the other. Because now, now it's like if it goes to arbitration, the two sides have to do a short-term deal. They have no yeah. choice. So this makes it so like now the two sides are extra motivated to agree to a long to to you know, figure out a long-term deal. Because if it gets to arbitration, that's out the window. So this just like 
one one guy, uh, Andrew Brandt, who's on Twitter. He used to work for ESPN. Yeah. He used to work for the uh, the Green Bay Packers. His classic line is "deadline spare action." And what this arbitration hearing does, this arbitration hearing sets a deadline, and I think that will spare action on the part of a contract being signed between the Flyers and Santa. I don't think it's going to get to arbitration. If it does, I mean, I'll be surprised, but I don't think it's going to get to arbitration. I think they're going to agree to a you know a three four year deal before it. That's my guess. How I picture arbitration working is like a uh, basically a court proceeding, but like both sides present like a PowerPoint, more or less, arguing their their side. Like I want the Flyers to just like put in a, like a VHS tape of the Gerby fight, and that's just, it. And then they and then they just go the defense rests. <laughs> an hour long like youtube montage of him falling down over and over yeah well again. The, the what was the the one time last year when um he like it was like a controller disconnected moment but he had the puck he yeah. just kept skating with the puck and then he skated right into the boards with the puck because he just like it was literally like you have the puck and you put down your controller because you go to get a beer and your player just keeps skating with the puck and the, the, the person you're playing against is like oh, i'm just gonna let him keep skating until he hits the boards like i ain't gonna do anything Last year was such a fucking disaster. Like it was so bad. Everything just, was bad. What a just bullshit year. Uh, I had a whole thing I wanted to do here about Jason Smith, but I'm not nearly as excited about it as I was the other day. Uh, I just happen to love Jason Smith, uh, and the Flyers brought him back into the organization. He's going to be a Phantoms ha- assistant coach this year. Uh, you know, maybe he's just like another lappy, but the dude's had a resume prior to this. Uh, and I really like that he's another piece, like, reinforcing organizational toughness. And he's not just, like, a guy. He's someone who had success in this league. Like, the Flyers brought him in as a pending free agent. And they made him the captain right away, even though they knew he was only going to be here for a year. Like, I think that sort of guy in the organization is really important. Um and no, I, that was that was very much that year. That was very much a this is the way we want the kids to play. So we're going to get this guy for a little bit of time to you know set the example, and then when he moves on, one yeah. of the kids will take over as captain. But we need that bridge, especially coming after, coming off of such a bad year. Yeah, and like you know, he's play, he played seventeen, eighteen minutes a night for a team that went to the Eastern Conference Final that year, and like it was the second to last year of his career. But I think his his impact was more like, off the ice than it was on it. And like you just said, he'll kind of mentor the kids. Like, that offseason was a huge offseason of changes, just like this one. You know, they bring in Briere, Teeman, and Hartnell, Lupel, uh, Coburn, and Up- Upshaw came in late the year prior. Like, it was a big turnover. Who's this year's Jason Smith? Who's the guy maybe isn't going to put up huge numbers, but... Like, Jason Smith scored one goal that year. It was at the home opener. He blocked a shot and then sent the puck the length of the ice for an empty netter. That was his only goal. Uh, But, like, his impact was more than that. Who is that guy this year? It's got to be Yandel, right? Like, it's got to be Yandel. Like, I would say... That's what I was I would say Cam Atkinson, but, like, he's going to produce, I think. So, we'll see him on and off the ice leadership. If we're just talking just about a guy that can kind of show the kids how to be a good hockey player kind of in the off ice sense i kind of feel like it might be yandel the whole iron man thing like i don't know i just the thing with yandel is he's not good defensively he's fair yeah, good whatever. defensively i mean he's certainly Fuck gonna defense. like i think well we i think were, he's gonna help the way the locker room that's feels. what i mean he's like apparently I, one of yeah. the funniest guys yeah. but i feel like like bill was suggesting like a guy that didn't really contribute that much on the ice well, I mean, there's an obvious answer to this, and I know it's going to make everybody wince, but I mean, the obvious, the, the obvious Jason say. Smith candidate is Nate Thompson. Like, oh, it's obvious. Yeah. Oh, God damn it. I, I forgot. forgot about him. I forgot about him. <laughs> it's totally Nate is Thompson. He, he's going to play, isn't he? Probably. Oh, he's yeah. He's going to, like, play. Motherfucker. Yeah. This is happening. Like, oh, my God. I want to give Chuck Fletcher I'm so much credit. I'm fine with Nate Thompson. I know, like, like, it, he's, he's fine. fine. I know. Like, if I would have preferred them bring back Michael Roffel. No, you know what? I don't want Nate Thompson, but we need to move on from Michael Roffel. He is Listen, n- he is we just, did move on from Michael yeah, Roffel, uh, but he's still a free agent. Just bring him back He instead. is just not good enough to have the tenure here he had. Like, he was here almost a goddamn decade, and he's like a fourth liner. Uh, no, I can't deal with it. 
I, I just can't deal In with Michael In my opinion, bring back Michael Raffle. I, I, why? What did he ever I'm do? I'm planting my flag. Yeah, what no, bring yeah, back don't, Michael don't, don't bring back Michael Raffle. What did I mean, Michael Raffle Also, he's signed with Dallas. He's not even a free agent anymore. He's signed with Dallas. Oh, good. Thank goodness. Cut the, oh, that's cut, right. Cut he did. Cord. That was earlier this week. Fuck. Sorry. Right. But that, uh, we can get to that now. I forgot Taylor asked me, what is a Michael Raffle? <laughs> A guy. He's some guy you bump into in the street and go, oh, hey, Mike, what's up? Um, I just think the thing with Michael Roffel is at one time, Michael Roffel was a really, really good role player. Yeah. That, yeah. that, that ship has sailed. It's He's over. not as good as he was four years ago. Let's find a better Michael Roffel who uh, hopefully is Well, Tanner, we got Nate Who hopefully Thompson. is Tanner Lazinski, hopefully. Do you, like, how good, how fucking good were Giroux and Voracek in their primes to spur that guy to 21 fucking goals? They were great players. Like, were they, they were actually awesome. like amazing? And we didn't yes. fully realize yeah. it. Like I know yes. they were good. I know they were really the, good. Yeah. Look at the rest of the roster that team had. The only reason why the Flyers <laughs> weren't getting top four picks every year was because of those two guys and Wayne Simmons and Steve Mason to a lesser degree. Mace. That was it. It's all like all they had. They had a bunch of young kids who weren't quite what they were going to be yet. Guys like Shannon Gaturier. They had a, a, a like historically awful defense on paper. Oh my god, that shit! Imagine. It was, yeah, it was rough. It was Why does Giroux want to stay here so bad? <laughs> they have <laughs> fucked him. He's the, he'd be like in the fucking Gretzky territory if they gave him anything. But well, they gave maybe him, not that. It's far. Stockholm syndrome, baby. I know he's not that good. I'm just saying, like, he'd be he'd be much higher up the list of like goddamn career points and shit. I do think there's there's an element. I mean, there's an element for him of I've been through the bullshit. I want to reap the rewards. Like, I, I think there's uh-huh. definitely a feeling of that where it's like, you know, man, I suffered through it. You know, now I want to be here. There was nothing I think that would kill him more than like him suffering through the entirety of the 2010s leaving and then the flyers winning a cup be like you gotta be freaking kidding me man that would be a bummer stockholm (laughs) that would be a bummer honestly for him uh michael raffle not a free agent i have here listed a bunch of guys who are still on the market uh any interest in any of these dudes not really. I'm kind of done with free agency Same. at this point. No more. I mean, if, if, if I don't even see where you have them. It's near the and, pl- and plus, a bunch of these guys, like, I think at least two of these guys, actually probably three of these guys, are actually New York Islanders. It's just that... <laughs> they gotta manipulate Lula- it. Well, it's just that, for, for whatever reason, the league allows Lou Lamorello to break the rules constantly, so he can, like, sign players, but not announce them, and I guess that's okay. Like, the <laughs> NHL's like, yeah, you're Lou, you can do whatever the hell you want. Like, Yeah, like, just like they play and, on the ice! Yeah, <laughs> it's insane. It, tr- it truly is insane how much slack he gets cut by the NHL, because if, if it's true... As has been rumored, and he has deals in his back pocket with Zach Parise, Kyle Palmieri, and Casey Sezegas. And they're literally, the contracts are signed and sitting in his desk, and he's just holding them (laughs) so that other teams don't know exactly how much cap space he has left. Like, the NHL NHL could call him and be like, dude, announce the fucking contracts. This is ridiculous. But they won't because he's Lou, and they're scared to death of him. I hate him so much. (laughs) What does he know? Like, <laughs> like truly, because I was about to say, who, not good. I was about to say, does he know about? He's good at his job. He's no. just infuriating. He's not good. I at mean, his look, job. the Islanders have made it to two straight final fours. He's pretty good at his job. That has nothing uh, to do with the players that he has brought. It's yeah, something to do with the. They've made it to two straight. Listen, they're a good team, and honestly, I'd kill to be in two straight final fours. But they're that good because they don't have to abide by fucking rules. Like, it's it's Trotz's they, system they, they, and they the play fact a different that game. they have forced the league's hand into yeah. never ever calling an interference penalty on them that's yeah but again that's th- that's that's lou lou hired trots and i mean it's okay. it's 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 lou's it's lou's <laughs> mystique that allows kelly them can. to I'm get away throw, with shit i'm gonna lose i'm gonna lose i can't no kelly like kelly is mad kelly hates lou so much so much <laughs> like i might hate he might be the person that i hate most in hockey on earth hockey on earth i was about to say does he know someone who's like gambling on games but that's actually a whole story all to itself right now that shit that shit's wild right this evander kane stuff is 
It's, it's pretty something. ugly. I mean, if you're surprised by it, I'm no, not surprised. It's just a crazy attention. story. No, I, I'm not he's surprised. He's been dropping hints that he's not a nice person for quite a long time now. No, like a very long time. Chances are he sucks. Whether the out al- these particular allegations are true or not, it appears just as if like he kind of sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. Uh. So. Yeah, and what he's doing to his wife, estranged wife, former wife is really gross he just yeah mm-hmm. yeah I, I you know it's a bad situation all around it, it, yeah the whole thing it's is not good i wish like this wasn't the only story in hockey i've seen for like three weeks like <laughs> oh well we could be talking about the chicago blackhawks instead which is just another no thank you fucking shit show I'll yeah i mean that. we could be talking about them but we'll never know anything about any of that uh we could instead talk about how Mark Andre Fleury has decided. No, actually, I will play in Chicago. Good for him. Players love Chicago. They really do. And I mean, it seems like you know, a nice the same. Like it, it blew me away that Seth Jones was like, "Got to play in Chicago." Like they're, they're not. They that gave good. him nine and a half fucking million dollars. Yeah, I'd but it, play yeah, on but the move yeah, for that. Yeah, but it, that's not the reason. Like whoever signed him was going to give him that deal. He. Seth Jones had three teams, in my understanding, that he was willing to re-sign with. One was Colorado, which makes sense because Colorado is awesome. One is Dallas, which also makes sense because, number one, Dallas is pretty good. And, number two, he's from Texas. So that makes sense. And the other was Chicago, who is not good. (laughs) And he's like, no, I want to play there because they're Chicago. It's like, Nobody wants to play for the Flyers. At some point, can we accept that, like, the Blackhawks aren't what they were six years ago? Like, when is is reality going to catch up with, like, the perception? Or when is perception going to catch up with reality? When the NHL stops pretending, like, the whole league showcases the Blackhawks, like, they're some kind of premier franchise and that their players are somehow remarkable, and it'll probably continue (laughs) until that stops. And when that will stop, I have no idea. I don't even think it's about the team. I think people just like living in Chicago. Everybody from I've Chicago. Everybody from or living in Chicago says Chicago's the greatest place on earth. Like I think people just honestly want to live there. Like I think it has nothing to do with the team. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Yeah, right. pl- 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 players do love Chicago the city. Like people just want to play in a train live station. Live in Manhattan and people want to play in a train station and not a train yeah, station. I really like that train station. <laughs> It's the world's most famous train station. Um, straight now. Yeah. Uh, honest thoughts on this Ovechkin contract, real quick, and then we can. Good wrap. for him. Five honestly, years. Yeah. I'm nine really and a half. Five years, because yeah. he's definitely going to break the record. Yeah, five years, nine and a half million average annual value. Uh, he signed through age forty. He needs to average thirty-three goals over these next five years to uh, to break Gretzky's record in the span of this deal. He's at uh, I had it right here. Where he's at seven thirty right now. He's behind. Uh, he needs one to tie Dion, uh, Marcel Dion, seven thirty-one. Then Brett Hull seven forty-one. Yager seven sixty-six. Hal eight oh one. Gretzky eight ninety-four. There's a really good article up on ESPN by Emily Kaplan about uh, these negotiations and Ovi's relationship with the organization and the owner and shit. Recommend it. But just, goddamn, it's Ovechkin. You have to do it, and you have to give him whatever you think he's worth. And to the organization, he's worth the money. But five years at nine and a half against the cap? Goddamn. It's Ovechkin. It's Ovechkin. Like, I know. You Good have to do it. And yeah, like, it's, got to. It's not even going to be a bad contract. No. Because he's going to no. score goals and you get paid for production. But, like, god damn. I always, like, I know that that's a lot of money. But then when you hear what other leagues pay their players, oh, yeah. their silly. star players, it's this silly. is literally fucking nothing. nothing. And this, he's a, he is Alexander Ovechkin. No, like, this is what the best hockey players were making 20 years ago. The number hasn't gone up. Like, it's gone yeah. down in some cases. Uh, it, it, the money is, like, it's just that there's a salary cap. That's it. That's the only reason I even care whatsoever. Uh, I, no, I know. You I'm can't just get saying, a decent reliever like for $9.5 million. Embarrassing for the NHL. Oh, it's certainly I'm just wa- I'm just wondering when, and this is inevitably going to happen, because this is sort of the path that... Um, it's just the path that the Capitals are taking. And I think on some level they get it too. Like, when do the Capitals 
basically just transition into we know we're not going to make the playoffs, but we are just a vehicle to watch if Alex Ovechkin hmm. can break the goals record. Because, like, it's going to happen, yep. and it's going to happen at some point in the length of this contract. It is. Probably, it's like, just year, probably the next couple of years. Year yeah. 2.5, probably. Yeah. When it just becomes like, okay, the Capitals yeah. are a team that, like, they're on the playoff bubble. Maybe they make it sometimes. But in reality, we only really pay attention to the Capitals because we're counting goals that Ovechkin scores. Yep. Yeah, in my head, I was bouncing back and forth between two years and three years. So two point five sounds about right. Because it's man. sort of like what happened. It's sort of like what happened with um with Kobe at yeah. the end of his career, where like you know everybody knew that you know keeping Kobe wasn't the best idea, you know, for the the Lakers if they wanted to actually be a competitive basketball team. Yeah, but, but what's like your they couldn't not they, they from him. Yeah, they they weren't gonna get rid of Kobe. So it was just like, well, we're just hey, we've hitched our ride to Kobe, and you know. Twice a month he does Kobe things, and we get on the highlight reels, and that's great. And then he'll have his retirement, and we'll be able to make a huge deal out of how we treated him so well. And at some point that's going to happen with the Capitals or the Vetchkin. I just don't know when they're going to take that step out of actual contention and just move into vehicle for a Vetchkin. It's, they have some contracts, so I guess it's a little harder, but just having Ovechkin— Like, we're talking about, like, the Blackhawks suck and people want to play there. Like— couldn't they have, like, a little pyramid scheme going on if they wanted to? Like, hey, come play with fucking Alex Ovechkin. Dish the assist that breaks the record, you know? Like, I mean, they've, they they've might. already done that to a degree. Like, they got Chara last yeah, year, and yeah. that was, you know, that was a thing where Chara was basically looking around, where do I want to play? I want to play with Alex Ovechkin on the caps. So they're going to get those guys. I just don't think they're going to be good enough, and they're going to have so many you know, cap responsibilities of players that aren't worth their money that eventually, and the plus their prospect pool is bad. So they just don't have a lot. I think they had like Connor McMichael and that's about it. Um, so they don't really have a lot coming. Um, I don't know. I, I'm not, I, I'm, I'm pretty low on the caps future at this point. Um, but we'll see how it plays out. All right, fam. We got anything else here? I got nothing. All right. Nope. And, uh, oh, do you, Steph, plug that thing, the, the September thing at the Wells thing. Fargo. Uh, September 25th, the Philly tailgate games. Woo. We are all going to be there. Uh, it's, it's hosted by the Philadelphia Flyers and the Wells Fargo Center, and you can compete for some pretty fucking awesome prizes, like free beer for a year. And oh, fuck. concert tickets to every single concert at the Wells Fargo Center for an entire year. Can we win? Season tickets to the Flyers. Like, these are lots of, lots of amazing prizes that you can win. Tickets to compete are $40 each. Tickets to attend uh, are either 5 or $10. I don't remember I think I which. remember seeing 10 but... Yeah, I couldn't... I can't remember which one, but that's... Just tickets to attend. Come hang out with us. Um, it'll be a lot of fun, and it's outdoors, so pretty uh, COVID uh, minimal risk. Yeah. I don't not want to friendly. say safe yeah. because we're not really safe, but Who's outside of safe. safe. Yeah. Outside of safe. Minimal risk. Safe for those who have vaccines if you're not or unable to be vaccinated. Minimal risk. Um yeah, that's it. What else? What else? <laughs> They've got food, drinks, and a band are going to be there, and it starts, I think, at noon on September twenty fifth. Excellent. See that professionalism right there, folks. That's why Steph gets paid the big bucks. She was not even paying attention whatsoever, and I mm -hmm. said, "Hey, plug that Play thing." Play the game on my phone. I said, "Hey, plug Nailed that it. thing," and she remembered what I was talking about with minimal prompting. All right, that is all the time we have for you on BSH Radio this week. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for hanging out. If you haven't already, you got to hit that fucking subscribe button. Do it. Hit subscribe. Give us five-star reviews. Say nice words. We greatly appreciate it. All right, that's it. Uh, thanks a lot for listening. Uh, come to that thing in September. My name is Bill Matz. For Steph, for Charlie, for Kelly. Have a great week, everybody. Are you ready to talk about sports? Yeah!